If you like weird history, true crime, haunted and paranormal, then pause the podcast you're listening to right now and subscribe to Ghost Town wherever you listen to podcasts. We also have a video component to our favorite Ghost Town episodes at youtube.com slash Jason Horton. Episodes like The Los Feliz Murder House, The Toxic Lady, The Black Dahlia, Janis Joplin's Hotel Room, The Haunted Roosevelt Hotel, and more. Just go to youtube.com slash Jason Horton. That's youtube.com slash J-A-S-O-N-H-O-R-T-O-N. And while you're there, please subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes. Thank you. It's the Friends Without Benefits podcast. My name is Jason Horton. Welcome to the show. Today I'm talking to Lindsay Stidham. She has a podcast called Welcome to the Clambake. She's a writer, comedian, actor, and friend. And I think this episode's a little, a little more serious than some of the other ones, I guess, on a whole. Um, as a whole, on a whole. I don't know. But it's a little more serious. Uh, but it's positive. And we talk... Uh, about the Me Too movement, we talk to Lindsay about her career, and we talk about stuff. We get into it. And uh, other than that, not much to report, to be totally honest. I wish I, I sometimes I'm like, I gotta, I, it's, I gotta think of something cool happening. But sometimes, you know what? Cool things aren't always happening. I mean, yeah, they are in the world, but you don't need to hear that from me. Uh, I'm doing a show uh, on April 9th. El Cid's Comedy Night Out, uh, that's at 7.30, and it is at El Cid Comedy, nope, it's ElCidSunset.com is where you'd find that in Silver Lake, kind of close to me, which I like, um, doing, I got a bunch of shows coming up, got a bunch in May booked, April, not so much, I think I got one more, but then I'm going to Las Vegas for my birthday, and I'm seeing Elton John, yeah, that's, that's, you know what I mean, like, if you're wondering, like, does this dude, does this dude, like, know how to rock? Yep, I do. I'm going to see Elton John, deal with it, and then I'm going to visit my mother in West Palm Beach. So uh, I know how to live, I guess. But uh, for right now, let's uh, let's let's get somewhat serious. I don't know. I, I keep saying this is serious, and I don't recall how it's it's serious, but it's not meant to. I think be a downer. It's just, you know, it's just a little different than some of the uh, other episodes, but I think it's important. So let's talk to Lindsay Stidham. It's, you know, it's weird because, you know, you see people, it's like when you see people out, you're like, oh, hey, remember I know you from that thing? That's what I feel like. Yeah. When I was on OK Keep, which was, I was on for a while. Um, I'm on, on it now because I'm writing a movie about it. Are you I got really? hired to, I can't like talk about it okay. too much, but I did get hired to write a movie about somebody who was on OkCupid. So I have a is profile it a specific, right now. Oh, so it's a specific... It's a specific person's based story. Based on a true... Based on a true story. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Does it get crazy? It does. I'm so excited about it. Oh, very it. cool. Yeah. I didn't know if it was just like a movie, like a standard movie, and it's like OkCupid is like the, you know... No, I think it's about... I think the movie is truly about loneliness, and I'm oh, like, okay. really... And addiction and love. Right. It's about all, it's about all the good things. I'm so, so excited about it. <laughs> I uh, wish I could talk more about it. Maybe next year. Yeah. Well... <laughs> Uh, so are you, so we, are you on it now for, I went on a date recently. I am on it like for dating, but I'm like not actively using it. I just have it in case I need to look at it because I need to know the inside workings of OkCupid right. for the story. You know what? Do you, have um, you ever looked at the, a, uh, a their males? blog, their blog is really good. Really? Have you ever yeah. looked at a male's OkCupid to see 
just like what they're seeing. Because I've done that. I've done I've... that. I've seen a females and I see and it's it's yeah. one person's profile based on an algorithm. But I was I just have, very curious. Um Tinder and Bumble. I've okay. looked at males, Tinders and Bumbles. I've played for guy friends. I like have like done it for them. But um I haven't. You done ghost it on ghost a wrote their bumbles? Totally. Yeah. And sent messages for them and has stuff. it helped? Um, one of my friends just met like what he seems to think is the love of his life, but he met her on Hinge. Um, but I used to play his apps for him, but before like Hinge was around, I think. <laughs> so you're like, yeah, you're like a, a, a ghost writer of like. Totally. I love talking about love because uh, it's so difficult. It, it, it never gets solved. Right. <laughs> no. It's like, that's why like I've always done sketches that involve relationships because relationships are always awkward. It's not a thing where it's like. I can't do a sketch about polio. They figured polio <laughs> out how to how to how to stop polio, but they've never stopped how to like the awkwardness of a relationship, like good or bad. No. So it's just fodder it's just forever. Forever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, to be you're married now, though. Like, I am. Yeah. Being married is it easier or is it harder? Easier. Oh, that's good. Easier. That's yeah. good to hear. I talk about. I do. I mean, I'm doing stand up now, and I I don't talk like a ton about it, but I do talk about. It. I was like not much. Uh, how not much has changed, but then I go into some things. What's one of your married jokes? You want to hear one? Mar- um, yeah. <laughs> where I uh, where I get in less arguments, and there's points where I, like I was like, oh, you should be arguing with me. <laughs> like I feel, like, and probably I'm warranted. Uh, and I was like, you're not. You're being like really cool. And then I get paranoid that like th- something's got to give. So I'll look or, like I'll like I'll kind of like just be kind of hyper aware and then like something I'll turn on the TV and she watches the ID channel. Uh-huh. I don't, I don't know what that is. It's investigative discovery. Oh, cool. I don't have real TV. So okay. it's like stream. So things. it's, uh, it's basically, it's like, it's murder shows. You said oh, you like nice. murder stuff. I it's, do like murder stuff. Yeah. And it's like a lot of women murdering <laughs> men, at least what she's watching. Yeah. So uh, it's like, I go into a thing about, uh, how all the different she's just murders. Like, researching researching yeah i feel like she's <laughs> saving it up you know what i mean it's so like in the meantime you're like why yeah. you're not having arguments with me because you're plotting my death exactly really and it's funny. like you know there's like shows like <laughs> women with knives like there's so many shows that they're That's like true. what do we do with all these we got a lot of women murdering men what do we do? Let's have, let's take all the ones that murder them with knives and just give them their own kind of section, and that's how many murder shows there are on this channel. I love that. Yeah, so you should. That's a really funny. Joke. Yeah, it's I called like the it. ID channel. It's like <laughs> I just murder shows, so I don't know what there might be more, but she doesn't watch it. Yeah. And then, but I just watch like La La Land, <laughs> and it's like if you like La La Land, just I guess watch more La La Land. Take a nap. That's my kind of thing. So where are you from? Um, I'm from like kind of all over. Like I went to high school and college in Florida. And I went to elementary school in the Netherlands, and I went. I was born in Louisville, Kentucky. <laughs> Those are the three most random. It's a very random combination. And now I kind of say I'm like from LA. I've lived here so long. I've lived here 14 years. So I've lived here longer than anywhere else. Uh, so <laughs> I almost feel like I'm from here now. Do you ever go city. back to Kentucky? Um, I went back to Indiana. Like I, okay. my parents are from Indiana, okay. so that's like why they ran away from Indiana as soon as possible. So For I sure. wasn't even born in Indiana. I was born in Kentucky, but um, I do go to Indiana now and then because my parents have a lot of family there, and mm. my family too, obviously. So. Yeah. Usually, I'm not gonna lie though; it's usually for weddings or funerals. Right. Yeah. Which are you more excited about? The, the weddings. Okay. Obviously. Okay. Well, life, I don't know. Life, love and life continuing. But yeah. my mom has like, um, she if she is there for more than a couple of days, she starts to freak out. She calls. They're from Indianapolis, Indiana, and she yeah. calls it Indiana Place. 
like she like freaks out. She's not a fan. No. So I was last there for a cousin's wedding and obviously like my mom was there too. And um she was like literally like, I gotta go. I gotta get out of here. Like she like freaks out. It's very bizarre. How do you end up in the Netherlands? My dad just was like my dad is like a cool, weird salesman. He's like always sold something in life and he got a job opportunity and he was like, Yep, we're gonna live there. So we and did. What what ages did you live there? Like all of elementary school, so first through fifth grade. Did you have to learn the language? I did. I used to speak perfect Dutch. I don't yeah. anymore. I know how to swear in Dutch. Because you've, yeah. you've held on to that. Held on to that. I, I held on to like the good words, you know. Okay. Like my favorite Dutch curse word is klootzak, which means like the literal translation is bag of shit. Okay. Yeah. Klootzak. I mean, that might, I, I mean, when you're, I mean, like to go, I need to go back when you're dating or, or when you're kind of, um, interesting facts about you. I mean, that's like super, super interesting because not yeah. a lot of people could say that. Better put it on my dating profiles. Do you, multiple. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the many. Uh, I don't know. I just, I think it's very interesting. So you, when you left the Netherlands, did you care that you were leaving? Were you like, I'm bummed? Yes, I was friend? incredibly sad. I was really upset. You didn't was, miss. Well, I guess I don't know. How, uh, I guess you didn't miss the U.S. enough. Were you in the U.S.? I enough? didn't miss it because I left when I was little. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I mean, really, the Netherlands was like your somebody else's U.S. I guess. Mm-hmm. And my there. my dad, we could have stayed, but he wanted my brother and I to be Americans. Yeah, that's one of the reasons why we moved moved back. So, I don't know if that was a good choice or a bad choice. At and this then he point. went to Florida. Right? Yeah, his uh, it's the opposite. Yeah, he didn't want to be cold anymore. Okay, fair. And he and he moved his whole family home to Florida without a job. He's he's a cool, crazy guy. Yeah, interesting yeah. dude. Yeah, um, he's an interesting fellow. And where in Florida? <laughs> West Palm Beach. Well, I, okay. I lived one year in Sarasota, and then we moved to West Palm Beach, Florida. West Palm Beach isn't bad. Yeah, it's like not the real South. Yeah, it's it's yeah. A pretty much. It's pretty metropolitan. It's close to Miami. Yeah. It's like a lot of different ethnicities together. It's okay. like actually not that different from LA. Yeah. 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 My my yeah. mom just moved down to. I don't know if she's near West. Palm, but she's. I remember just talking. Maybe we went to West Palm. I don't know, but it was. Uh, that's not too bad. Yeah. And then, so you, how long were, were you? So I went to high school and college in Florida, and I studied journalism and Spanish at the University of Florida. And were you like, <laughs> eventually, I'm going to get out of Florida, or were you like, I'm Florida's my home? Oh, I was ready. I graduated college in two and a half years because that's how much I wanted to leave Florida. Because all my friends, I went to a performing arts high school, so like almost all my friends moved to New York City, and I knew I wanted to live in a city. And one like uh, one semester, I visited a friend at NYU, and like my like world was shattered, and I was like so broken that I was going to the University of Florida. I was like, I gotta leave because it's like football and sports and beer. I didn't drink in undergrad. I don't give a shit about sports, um, but I started doing improv at the University of Florida. <laughs> And that also shattered my world where I was like, I don't think I want to be Katie Couric because I started college thinking I wanted to be Katie Couric and I left college deciding I wanted to write fiction instead of fact. So, okay. so because you, of improv. <laughs> was Los Angeles your like that was you had your sights on that? New York or Los Angeles is where I wanted to go. And you picked Los as Angeles. As fast as possible. And you picked Los Angeles? <laughs> I got into the American Film Institute. Okay. And so that made me decide to come here. And that was 14 years ago. Yeah. Okay, I'm just getting the timeline. Yeah. So you come, but I'm still 21. Oh, I yeah. I this th- is this is a forever 21 podcast. Did you know okay, that? Good. Thank yeah. Uh, okay. I'm always the oldest. To make everyone feel, I'm always the oldest. Try to be the oldest person on the podcast, <laughs> just so everyone else is young. Um, when you came to Los Angeles, was it what you? Thought? Oh my god! For the first six months, I hated it. Yeah. 
It was so scary. I was 21 when I moved here. And Speaking where, of 21. Where did you live? <laughs> Still in, that age. <laughs> where did you first live in? Uh, I lived in I lived in uh, Beachwood Canyon. I should have never left. That's good. Uh, yeah, like I lived was... in Beachwood Canyon for six hundred and fifty dollars a month. Was it was it rent controlled or? <laughs> no, I had a roommate. We had two bedroom yeah. for okay. like t- for like whatever thirteen hundred dollars, which is amazing. Which is crazy. I should never left. It was great. I lived like right in front of like Robert Downey Jr. and Sarah Jessica Parker's apartment that they lived uh, in when they were together. Yeah. Um. I mean, I lived in a very small, modest apartment, but still, Beachwood Canyon's like if you're not if you don't live in LA, or know about it. It's a great neighborhood. Oh yeah, you want yeah. to be there. You want to be there. And then um, I went to AFI, which was like right down the street. It was like yeah. two miles away. Yeah. Yeah. It's right yeah. there if you, Franklin and like Western, right? Exactly. Up there, yeah. 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 I always go when I I'm on the east side, and so when I go down to Hollywood, I'm always I literally pass it every single day. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful campus. It is, yeah. I did a young storytellers yeah. thing there. We did a video for young storytellers. Cool. Yeah, it was very cool. Yeah. It's the only time I ever went there, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's beautiful. So uh, when you come here, like, what is your like plan? Um, to be a famous screenwriter. It's still my plan. Yeah. Uh, Still my plan. <laughs> what was your more immediate like? Did you have like a meet like? Okay, so you're you're at the film institute. Are you just constantly making stuff or? Yeah, like- it really consumes your life for two yeah. years. Like you don't have any other friends. You don't have time to wash your underwear. It's yeah. a pretty intense program, but I like I miss it every day. It was like literally the time of my life because you get budgets to make movies. So for two years of your life, you're just writing and making films. It's just the best. Now, are you like? Do you have to? Uh, finance yourself or the um so for your pro they they call it cycle projects so you have to do three short films your first year and like each different cycle a different um discipline is in charge of the cycle so there's like five disciplines there there's screenwriting directing producing cinematography and production design um the production designers never get to be in charge of a cycle neither do the dps because some people like they they don't run the set so they never get to be in charge um writers don't run the set either in film but in television they sometimes do Um, so like the writers got to be in charge of the first cycle. The directors, I think are in charge of the second cycle. Uh, no, the directors are in charge of the third and the producers are in charge of the second cycle. And for those three films, they're paid for like your tuition pays for it. Yeah. But how do you, how do you survive? Um, I, I went to University of Florida for free. Yeah, like okay. my parent, my lovely parents, my lovely crazy parents made me a deal that if I went to University of Florida, that they would help me pay for grad school. Got it. Although I still have loans that I'm paying off. Sure. So, um, but because I went, I like got, I like got paid to go to University of Florida, which is great. They wrote me a check like every semester, <laughs> which is like the best ever. But yeah. 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 That's not a bad deal. Yeah. But you did, I mean, you know, you honored, you had a deal and you honored it. I did. I cashed in on that deal. I was like, I'm going to LA, baby. Uh, <laughs> What was it? Uh, was there any kind of culture shock working with coming from Florida and like working with like people probably that were also transplants too, but like working in LA? Yeah. I mean, I sometimes think about going back to AFI. Like, I don't think I will because it's very expensive and um, I have a lot of contacts in the business now, et cetera, et cetera. But like every now and then I wish I had been like a little bit older because I was very young and um, also like didn't know how to stand up for myself in the business yet and like still learning how to do that because it's not easy as a woman it's not it's hard um and uh I I didn't have a single female teacher no no female teachers I know that's changed a little bit if I think they're getting a little better about that but like so I also didn't have like role models or that were like me when I was there so yeah it was not easy and it was the first couple months were like really lonely to be honest 
because I didn't like bond with my roommate and it takes like time to like nurture those re- relationships and it's also really competitive school. That's what I can yeah. imagine because like, the goal is is like you want it to be you and not the other person that like totally. you know gets that deal or whatever it is. Totally. That, yeah. The good thing is is like writers' natural personalities are like not competitive. Right. It could be collaborative. Totally. And also AFI like really supports collaboration. You're forced to crew in each other's projects. Like that's part of the deal. You have to like crew for each other and like realize a film set doesn't work unless you're all on the same team. Yeah. Yeah. But it takes you a while to learn how to all play on the same team. When everybody has a massive ego when you first start, you're like, I just got into AFI, yeah, my I, life's great. I never really got involved. <laughs> I mean, I'm a late, I'd say a late bloomer as if I bloom, but uh, I just call myself a late bloomer, so I've kind of missed a lot of that. Uh, what you were, but I think you were an early adopter of the the internet world. Um, yeah, I mean, I made a TV pilot that I put up on the internet. I also worked for a company called iFilm, which was like pre-YouTube. And my job there was like to curate content before YouTube even existed, which was great. Like my job was to like watch short films and also watch sexy films because this was really interesting. They gave the job to me to watch the sexy borderline pornography content that helped keep their business alive. They gave it to me who I was like a very young woman, like maybe 24, like just barely not a virgin and they're like hey Lindsay will you watch the Mr. Skin content and program that because any of us watching it we look like slimy assholes at our desk watching it and I was like okay so I I became in charge of the short films what were you looking for um, when you were watching like Mr. Skin or whatever. Like, I had to, like, write all the blurbs of, like, what the content was and, like, cut the clips down to, like, be internet size because Mr. Skin would send us, like, half-hour movies and stuff. Now, Mr. Skin, is that when they (laughs) tell you where the nudity is in a In a movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was, like, pretty tame nudity. It was, like, Suicide Girls stuff, stuff like that. But it was, like, helping keep the website afloat. So that was my first job out of film school. Not much has changed with the internet, right? That's pretty much what keeps... It, it keeps it alive, yeah. That's what keeps the ad revenue coming in or whatever the case totally, may be. Totally, totally. But yeah, that was like the very, I would say that's what was the very, very beginning of like internet content. But I, at that point in time, I was like, I just got to make movies. So you <laughs> did you, were you kind of a, a, were you looking at the internet going, hey, wait a minute, there's a future here? Or were you like, this is a means to an end while I do I thought it was a means thing. to an end and I wish I didn't think that way. But I was still like a film school I, snob. A lot of us did, I think. Yeah. You know I mean, I, mean I, yeah. I, I consider myself like a relatively early, you know, but I mean, could have been earlier. Totally. Me too. Yeah. I wish I had like known. But um, And then that company very quickly got bought out while I worked there. Because YouTube started to yeah. just kill it. So what was your next move from that? Um, I made two films. Like, luckily after that, I did get to make, like, two films and um, was able to, like, make a living for at least, like, a full year off, like... What were those films? Uh, one is called Spooner and one is called Douchebag. Yeah. And are they fe- features? <laughs> They're both features. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're the, the writer? I did. I, I did write both those movies. Um, Douchebag is partially improvised, okay. so there's a lot of writing credits on that movie. <laughs> yeah, right, 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 right. Yeah, right. yeah. Um, and what what comes of that? Um, though, I mean, you know, I made them with my ex boyfriend, um, and I we was we he an ex at the to, time or is he no, ex now? No, that we were together at the time. Okay. We made three films together, and then we very quickly had success and like his you know he was able to like take that success and like keep going and then when we broke up i felt like i had to like rebuild my career to be totally honest because my career was 100 percent associated with his did so. he did he benefit from your involvement 
did he benefit <laughs> from the, your involvement in his career? I would say yes. I hope yeah. he would say yes too. Yeah. Yeah. I think he would. Yeah. Yeah. Are you guys cool? No. no? <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Not really. Okay. He sends me an email a couple of times a year to see if I'm alive. Oh, okay. That, oh, that's that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> and that's his name is Darren Aronofsky, right? His name is Drake Doremus. Okay. I mean, I part of me is like very proud to see his, yeah. his success because I do feel like um, we built something together, and yeah. I feel like I helped. And um, he's very talented. And yeah. if I hadn't made my first few projects with him, I don't think that I would like be where I am now and like wanting to direct my own content or know that I can produce a film like by myself like because I was so deeply involved in those projects it was also like very empowering to be like so young and be like in charge of the budget yourself and like all that like I just learned so much so because you I don't know if you still are with the deals but you you were represented by William Morris yeah I still um I still am yeah. technically yeah and that's a I mean yeah. that's <laughs> Whether it's like just a cachet or whatever your take is, it is a thing. Yeah, it's sometimes very helpful. Yeah, it's sometimes very very yeah. helpful. I had a, you know, yeah, uh, mutual friend Rebecca Lieb and I had a project there. Um, yeah. that we wrote for somebody else there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's another one of those. Th but it was uh, listen, it's something that happened. Yeah, it was very cool. Something you know that you you mentioned it, and other people might be like, well, that that's very impressive. I was like, I won't tell you what how what happen from there but you know what i mean yeah just saying i you know represented by william morris or i did a project there is um people are like oh well you must be somebody worth talking to then <laughs> so what's your next yeah. this, what's your ne next because you know you're you're kind of like you don't have this uh, it's not a thing where you're like well you know this is it's a, a path that's just very laid out for me no you're you're, you're switching not. you know kind of having to yeah kind of well i'm always like, writing a ton like always always um so I I'm on this OK Keep It movie right now, and I'm about like uh I'm about to like take the very intense treatment and make it a script, which is very exciting. And then um, I have a movie called Super Slut that I've been working on right. putting together for a while, and um, that film is about a woman who sells her virginity to get back at her ex boyfriend, and it starts out as a losing your virginity comedy, and then takes a hard right turn yeah. into a comment on sexual assault. Okay. And so with everything with Harvey Weinstein and yeah. just everything that's happened, we like had to take a pause and literally rewrite the script. Um, our script seemed like really tame after everything that happened. Is that did you have to rewrite it? <laughs> Because of the climate or just because of what's out there now and com your script compared to that? I just feel like everything that's happened, our script felt like an after school special after everything that happened. Right. Like it literally did. Like we're hearing like that Matt Lauer like locked women in his room with a button under his desk, yeah. which sounds like literally a, like a horror film. Yeah. And, I, and we were like. Oh shit! Like our movie now, just like it, it, it's not caught up to the reality of like how insane the world is. It's like, but at the time <laughs> you were you were breaking some ground with it. We felt like it. Like yeah. we like we wrote we started writing it when Trump decided to run for president, yeah. and like that in. And like the word war, war on women was like being thrown around. And I just felt like we were just going so far backward in history that I, and I was feeling really upset and sad every day. And that actually like was the catalyst to write the movie and where the idea came from was just like the insane things Donald Trump was saying on the campaign trail. And I was like, I have to react to this in my art. So that's how long we've been working on it. And we almost like put it completely together this year with like a couple production companies and then it didn't quite come together and then I ultimately think it's for the better because I'm like really excited about the new script there's um 
I have a colleague who's like a really big fan of the project who's trying to help me put it together too. And he's like, I think you should look at this movie as um, a, a get out for like a commentary on female sexual assault. And I love that analogy because, um, I mean, I'm a white woman, so I feel like that's being very generous, but <laughs> I feel like our issues are different than being like a complete minority in the world. And I can't even like commentate on that. But I just think that script is so good. And it takes like such a hard right turn that like I'm kind of trying to like learn from that script and make this a really wild ride. So I'm like glad that it didn't come together and it's like going to have a new life. So, <laughs> and I'm, you know, I mean, I, you know, I, we've known each other for a while and, you know, kind of follow what you do and what you kind of like discuss online and stuff like that. And yeah. it seems like, um, you know, as it, it's hard not to have, you know, uh, what kind of, um, kind of fuels you, but it, 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 it's, you know, you have a very strong point of view which is just really, it's no different than your point of view from before, but now everything is being spoken about so freely yeah, now. Yeah, feels amplified, yeah. Has that changed anything about the way you're putting it out there? Are you like, I'm just still doing the same thing I was doing, or does like your voice change at all because of how much is being put out there? It feels exciting. Like I will say like in the last six months has been the first time that I feel 100% excited to be a woman in Hollywood. Like I would like wake up at like I used to I had a couple of years of being really bitter. Like I'm not going to lie. Like my ex-boyfriend won Sundance the year after we broke up. And like when your career is associated with that person to watch their star just like skyrocket. It's it's hard. Yeah. It's like it really hurts. hard. Yeah, yeah. It totally hurts. Um, so I had a couple years of being like, I wish I had a dick, basically. Yeah. <laughs> like, like my life would be so much easier if I just had a penis. Um, but like the last like six months, like people literally are like, I want a female-driven comedy. I want a female-driven comedy. And I'm like, I got 10. I've been working on them for 10 years. Like, right. let's go. And so it's like you invested in yourself knowing now you know that like, oh, <laughs> this is gonna like kind of pay off. I mean, to be totally honest, I, I I like totally blindly eventually thought it would pay off, but all of a sudden it feels like it's going to pay off. Like <laughs> it took us a while to get here, but like it feels like we've arrived where people are like women are hungry for movies. Like I hate to say that we're like we separate content where we're like this is female driven. I hope like one day we're just like this was a good movie. Yeah. Like, I don't care who the lead was. Yeah. It just, it's just it's just a good yeah piece of content it just so it's happened a great a female story. directed it just totally so happened, yeah. totally but right now we're still saying like female driven and women are hungry for stuff at the box office where they see themselves reflected which is unbelievably true and like now studios believe it also you know yeah. there's a thing about branding and labels and yeah. category categories i think i talk about it in my stand-up and how i, I thrive in a label-based environment it's like a whole <laughs> separate thing um, but i just feel the need to like identify my brand identify my look and you know identify all these things uh but it seems like it's either it hurts or it helps if your brand or how you categorize yourself you know what i mean like totally female driven i mean i've people talk it's like hey do you have anything for like 15 to 19 year old females you know what I mean like it's very specific but that's how you need to sell something you're like oh it's just a good you know it's a good script yeah with good people and that's like mm, we'd rather have the brand or the niche first totally and and you know that's there's platforms there's audiences there's Ad, there's advertisers that need to fill those things that make the money move and make things go forward so they need those and which I get that right you know? right but it's like when as you know when uh 
the when when the 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 content or the you know the thing comes like fifth, you're like, well, that, when people wonder why things suck, it's because you put the thing like fifth. I know. <laughs> or, it's or crazy less. town. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean. I've I've been fortunate to meet like really smart executives who I don't think like 100% think that way. But every now and then you meet an executive that literally is like, okay, my content mandate is this and I have to check the boxes. And if it doesn't fit this mandate, then it's like, it's not for me. And I like don't lose my job when I say y- yes or no to something. So it's like, yeah, I hear you. Sometimes I think branding is like really helpful. And yeah, it's a that. word that just has just <laughs> kind of come in. Like, why are we, we're saying the word branding now? What's my brand? We didn't yeah. always say it. <laughs> no. You know what I mean? Like I don't know. There's a there's a time nobody said it. Now I everyone know. says it. I don't know when that started happening. Probably, you know, honestly, <laughs> I would say reality TV put that like a the Kardashians. No, it's not a slight against them. They have a yeah. great thing. They've made a great thing. They're multi-millionaires. Um, yeah, yeah, and they yeah. just genius branders. Just genius. But the thing is, is that before <laughs> that, or maybe like me, like Paris Hilton, or like at those, you know, kind of times, like what's my? It was always there. Like. It's like the style, you know, the genre, you know. Yeah, yeah. But now branding is like it's past genre because it, it involves so many other things that don't really matter. Yeah. You know, but people make it matter. Totally. Now yeah. you're you're heavily involved in the comedy scene. I know, except podcasting has like eclipsed my involvement right now. Like it's my yeah. performance outlet, I feel like. It's your Yeah. 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 Now, welcome to the clam bake. Welcome to the clam bake is my feminist podcast right. that I do with my writing partner, Angela Golner. Um, and we do it once a week and we've done it once a week since inauguration day of this year. And, um, as you know, like doing a podcast is like a fair amount of work. So like, I'm not doing a ton of other performing at the moment because between that and I still have a day job and like trying to keep up with how much I'm writing. I'm like not doing a lot of performing, but I miss it like all the time. I miss performing all the time. Yeah. I would like to come back to it. So yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you, you know, I think by making sure that you on a on a regular basis you're putting something out there keeps you in that. It does, yeah. It keeps you, yeah. You know, like you're you're still you're still always warm. Totally, and like the really nice thing is like every time we put out a podcast, like at least three hundred people are listening to it, and there's not three hundred people at your improv show. No, oh, and here's the thing: <laughs> is I'll tell you, three hundred people listening to. Whatever an hour, let's just let's say three hundred people listen to an hour long podcast. Yeah, I'd rather that than five thousand people watch a one minute video. Do you know <laughs> really? what I mean? Because well, the involved. Uh, I'll give you my gist on podcast. Okay. Have you ever um, wanted to achieve something or succeed at something? Uh, you want this, but you've never felt like it happened to you. Like just say you want to sell. Like your dad's a salesman. Yeah. Now your dad's. A really good salesman. I'm I'm guessing he knows what it's like to want to be like knows what it's like to be sold something. Like sure, he's like, oh wait, I bought I bought this this they, this person sold this to me and I wanted it. I need to know what it feels like for that feeling in order for me to sell something. And I feel like pot. You know, I've been very you know you know my th- I've been very involved in putting out so much. Yeah, I have not been. A fan in comparison, I haven't been a fan or sold on as many things in comparison to how much I've put out there. Mm-hmm. Podcasting, I don't listen. You know, this is my second. You know, I'm on my second podcast. I don't. I haven't listened to many podcasts. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, I've done a lot of improv and and I'm comfortable talking to people. And uh, but I've 
from podcasting, I've learned what it's like to become a fan. I'm not talking about music, I, but I'm not. I play music, but I'm not a music. You know what I mean? I'm not putting out music. Mm-hmm. So I've been a fan of music, and I, you know, I'm a fan of like TV shows. But they're, I'm not being sold. I'm not trying to make a, you know what I mean, like a TV show. You know yeah. what I mean? In, in a sense, um, but I know what it's like to be a fan of things through a podcast. Like uh, I listen to very few podcasts, but um, uh, stuff you should know is one that I really like. It's yeah, good pop- and basically it's just like whether it's history or information that I could get. From a myriad of sources, podcasts, books, Wikipedia, TV shows. But for some reason, I want this information delivered through like the vessel of these two people. Okay. I gotta listen and, to that one more. And I've it, heard but it, but it's a thing where it's just like for some reason, I've, and I've ingested, because you know, you're walking, you're driving, you're, you're uh, commuting so much in Los Angeles. You, you're without knowing it, you're just consuming so much from the same people where you stop caring about what they're talking about. You just want to hear them talking about it. Mm-hmm. And that's how I learned to be that. And I was just like, cause I stopped my po- podcast for a year until I learned what it was like to be a fan of something. And I was like, Oh, I really like this, but now I'm coming from a thing where I'm appreciate, you know, it's like if I was a, ba- if I was a basketball coach, but never played basketball, and then I played basketball. You know what I mean? I don't know how, I don't know how that works, <laughs> but it's like you probably become a better coach maybe if you've played basketball. Totally. I'm assuming. Yeah. Um, because you could, like, from a scientific point of view, an academic point of view, yes, I understand how the game works. I understand the strategy. Here, I'm going to tell you what to do, but to hold the ball and to feel your heartbeat and to throw it in there and have the pressure of the crowd and the pressure of another team and the pressure of yourself could make you a better coach. Yeah. In that sense, I think it's made me really – it got me back into podcasting. Obviously, Mark Maron's podcast, which I – it was somebody that I was like, oh, I don't want to hear from this dude. He's supposed to be like an angry, mean dude. I've seen him <laughs> at some movie screenings, a little through UCB. I was like, I'm not listening to his podcast until I was like Bruce Springsteen, and I was commuting at my job. And I was like, I love Bruce Springsteen. I was like, I got to listen to this. Yeah. From there, I was like, listen to that. And then I was like – you know, he has banter in the beginning or banter. You know, he's like, it's pretty much his diary or whatever he wants to talk about. I started only going right to the content. And I was like, let me listen to the dude because I was like, okay, this guy's pretty good. Then I came for one thing and stayed for another. Yeah. And that's what I learned about being a fan. And I was like, now I, my point of view when I do this is just, it's opened a lot of things for me. So I feel like an hour of welcome to the clam bake and you have 300 people listening for an hour. They're going to be so much more invested than watching like a one or two minute video. That- That's true. They they like they people send us a lot of messages on Instagram, which is very nice. And um, people really feel like they know you if they're listening to your podcast. Yeah, because and they know you. <laughs> they do. Yeah, they're not seeing your. They they know what you look like. Maybe yeah. whatever. But they're not they're not hearing you with your face there. Right. And I think here there's something, something almost more intimate about it's, that. It's. Listen, you, we we're wearing headphones right now as we're doing this. Yeah, we listen sometimes listen to podcasts with earbuds. The information is going right into our brains. Yeah, there's no there's no filter. There's nothing kind of filtering it out. And I think from there you're just consuming so much that you just are like, I'm a fan. Listen, I went to Mark. I bought Mark Barron's book. I went to his book signing. Um, you know, I've you know watched his TV show. All from that. And before I didn't know. I didn't listen to him. Uh, or he did an interview, but I was like, oh, he does interviews. I do them too. He probably does it better than me. So what? A lot of people <laughs> do interview stuff. But it really, really changed. It changed things for me in the sense of like 
to know what it's like to become a fan of something that you're doing. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so welcome to uh, I mean uh, uh, welcome to the clam bake. So what what does the the title mean? I I've heard the clam <laughs> is there operation clam bake? Is I don't that a know. thing? I felt like there was a thing online. There was what is what does it mean? Well, our tagline is it's the opposite of a sausage fest. Got so, it. Okay, so yeah. there's a, got it, got it, got yeah. it, got it. And, it, you know, clam is a euphemism for lady anatomy, mm-hmm. although we like to say, like, we like to use clams as, like, a non-binary term because we know if you identify as a woman, um, that means a lot of things for a lot of people. Sure. Um, so we, we like to hopefully be inclusionary and not focus on anatomy. But we did just really like the joke of it and like the idea that like we're having a party like for you. Like if you need a space to, to feel safe to like listen and express your opinion, hopefully Welcome to the Clan Bake is that for you. And do you so, so each episode you pick a s- Well, we have a guest every episode. So okay. we are like an interview-based podcast, although we are – Launching a new segment with Aunt Barb. We're about to launch a segment with Aunt Barb. She came on on our anxiety episode and talked about how to deal with anxiety. And it was a really popular episode. Aunt Barb is Angela's actual aunt. And she's from Minnesota. And she's got a Minnesota accent. She's just great. And so we're going to do this little advice segment as well. And now, it's because be you picked that, like, I'm just, you know, for anyone listening that's like, I also do a podcast or I, I want to make stuff. Did You found that to be successful. Yeah, people Metrically. were a big fan of that episode. Yeah. So you're and, like, let um, me, like, you're like, well, what, people like it, why don't we give them more of something we know that they like? Totally, totally. You know? And also, like, we've, we've almost been doing it a year. Like, we're coming up on a year of doing it, and I think we also just wanted to, like, mix up a few things and, like, add some new segments. And we've also started reviewing products that are geared towards women, like crazy products. So we sometimes do, like, live on-air reviews of products and... Um, we're going to review some kegels live on air, some like products to help you do kegel exercises. I'm real nervous about it. Um, <laughs> and like, yeah, uh, lately I've been calling us the Barbara Walters of podcasts cause people also come on and cry a lot, yeah. which is cool. I like love that people feel that safe with us and, um, ready to like express what they're feeling. So it's been very rewarding. So it's, <laughs> it's the, the, each episode kind of will be based on the guest and then yes. kind of go out from there, you know, kind of go out yes. from there. And sometimes we get pretty political. Like it's just been, it's felt like a really nice safe space to react and try and process like just the insane year that has been 2017. So do you, <laughs> and it, it doesn't seem like things are getting any more sane. So we're no, going to keep doing it. No, no, it's like you <laughs> double down on it. Yeah. Triple down on it. Yeah. Uh, rather than back off of it. No. Yeah. We have not backed off on It's kind of a insanity. way, the way that dating uh, relationships, it, it, it's never really going to be solved. You're always going to have something to say. Totally. Which is a, not a bet. I mean, listen, we wish. We wish everything was gonna be sane and is gonna be all right, uh, but I mean, it's just not. It's not. It's not gonna happen. But you, we hope we can move in that direction. Yeah, and you could be part of that movement and do our part and do your part. Um, totally. Do you ever <laughs> consider having like contrary? Yes. Points of view. Yes, we've been really trying to do that, but it's like the people. We sometimes get, like, overwhelmed with people asking to be on the podcast, which is, like, so nice. We're, like, never lacking guests. 
Um, so we like try and accommodate like anybody that like really wants to come on. So um, it's been hard to like make the time to have people who have opposite opinions of us, but we're like dying to do that. Um, and we're actually about to have two men on to talk about um, the Harvey stuff and all the sexual misconduct stories that just keep coming like my cousin uh I'm one of 10 cousins there's 10 of us which is a big family my mom's side of the family is quite large and I'm the only girl of 10 cousins um which is an interesting way to grow up I've been surrounded by men like most of my life besides my mom and um uh, one of my cousins called me and he was just like, how are you doing? And I want to make sure that you don't hate men and you say really funny stuff. But like, I don't know if you're being sarcastic or if like you're hurting over this. And I just like want to know how you're doing. And we started talking about everything. And I said, I want to know how you're doing because you're a male ally who I trust and like know is a quality man. Like, what does it feel like to be a man every day hearing these insane things that men are doing. And he was like, oh, my God, can I please come on your podcast? So my cousin is calling in, and Robert Clark Chan is going to be on talking okay, yeah, about how yeah. he's been posting men are scum. And I'm, like, so excited about the episode because yeah. we, ha we haven't had some men on in a while, so I'm excited. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll pick just Facebook as, like, kind of, like, the – uh, kind of the landscape of this because uh, it's just a place that people know and understand and you see things. And consume news now. Consume news, yeah. consume opinions, or at least get you know wind of how people are. From men, I don't put my opinion on there. Not that I don't have an opinion, not that I wouldn't share an opinion, but you know, I'm not there to, you know, kind of uh, detract from anything, distract or kind of uh, whatever. I'm just, you know, I'm, my personal life is just personal or whatever. Um, but I, I see some things on there from men and I eye roll sometimes on some of the stuff because in general, like I talk about Facebook a lot or it's on my mind where people are just like, I, I need to, th there's something going on and it needs to be about me a little bit. <laughs> so I need to make this thing about me no matter what, uh, under the guise of whatever, like what, is there like a pattern or something you see a lot of coming from guys online that you find, you know, that you just find kind of like not helpful? Um, Aside from people that are just like, you know, whatever, I don't believe, you know, they're completely contrary, you know? Yeah. Well, I do think like men, like really some men who might not necessarily be allies or think that they're trying to be an ally they some men just get like a lot of pleasure in starting fights in ladies comment sections on their facebook page yeah. when just they being are kind of conscious like just being yeah. like well well what if or totally. you know and, and, and you speak of those things and it's like every everything has a, a thing of like yes in any situation there might be something that might not be a hundred percent like that but that's the way the w whole world is right you right. know what I mean the best things in the world there's there's a little something that could be a little bit better but kind of going out of your way to be I don't know just to just to kind of add something that's <laughs> yeah. like how is what does this have to do with anything or totally so so because also, I don't know how your Facebook is, but you know, you we I think we kind of trim and curate things to where like we are in a bit of a, a bubble sometimes of totally. people we know or people that somewhat share an opinion, but things kind of leak in and out. And I'm like, yeah, you're like, wow, that's a really disappointing point of view, yeah, coming from you. Like I was like, I'm, I'm but maybe that's 
everything's weeding itself out. I don't know. But do you, in your bubble, do you find things that come in from guys that you're like, what are you Yeah, I think another thing too is like sometimes it feels like, it feels like it's been hard to have some wins as like a woman in America this year. It's like, we've been like, you know, there's multiple states that are completely trying to take away ladies' right to an abortion. And some states have been like very successful this year. And that is like unbelievably frightening. I just think like, being a liberal woman and just being a woman period like having the right to choose of what to do with your body in many ways can decide the rest of your life and if you don't have that choice like how are you even an autonomous being it's like not fair for government to try and say what you can do period but like yeah it's felt it's felt like hard to have a win and it's felt very easy to get very depressed too of feeling like you know, also if you were like a Hillary fan and like just watching her still get attacked over and over again and like what is that's not moving forward. That's continuing to move backward and distracting from like what we're dealing with like right now. And so like I just posted the other day like um, I love Time magazine because Time chose to make their cover story about the Me Too movement. Sure. And I think that was a bold I think it was like a bold choice for them. Yeah. And I think it's an amazing choice. And like, thank God, like this is still a conversation that they think is that they're validating that should continue yeah, and it doesn't it end should. yeah like it's not like 2017 it's like well now we're gonna move on to the next <laughs> right. subject we weeded everybody out who's right. taken out their day it's really it's really <laughs> page one yeah, of a very like, long book of a yeah. very long conversation yeah. and so like the first comment that i got was like yeah but time magazine like isn't really liberal and don't you know that the Koch brothers like are partially now investors and this and that from from a man of course and it's like just give me this, just today. Just like let me have it. Well, it's like I always there's, there's like a funny uh, like I think it's an onion where it's like guy, uh, guy brings up how John Lennon like how the beat like when somebody talks about the Beatles like oh yeah but do you know John Lennon was like abusive you know what I mean like kind yeah. of like okay but can I just maybe I want to talk about that I like the Beatles yeah you know it's like why there's but you could do that for everything totally you can shit on anything good yeah you there's take the gonna be a bad angle the best thing and it's like yeah just let you know what I mean like let but it's not like it's just like it's a thing where you have to be like please let me have this yeah person holding on to what like yeah what are you, and it's like what is dude what do you care I know. <laughs> is this hurting you? Like, what's it like? How does it negatively affect you? But I think it's a thing. Is but like, it's like, is the subtext is is his subtext? I'm curious to know. And like asking yeah. you as a man, I also consider an ally. Is the subtext of that guy annoyed that that is what the cover story is? Like, that's where my head goes. I'm like, is he actually subtextually angry that they chose to make the cover Me Too story? Like, maybe he is. I don't know. I, well, you know, because really, <laughs> it's like it's yeah, it's it's because you know. Uh, it's you know it's talking generally speaking about men and the way men have behaved and uh in different ways and i think if i to be real as a guy i've had to i talk very little about this i don't talk about it a lot on the podcast but i feel like you know now's the right time to do well no it's always the right time but it's natural for me to discuss you know you think back like uh it's just like if i was going to join uh want to join the fbi right mm-hmm. and i'm like oh Oh well, let me think back of my past. Like, have I ever, have I ever done anything that they're gonna find? They're gonna be like, oh, you can't join because you did this, right? <laughs> right. So I think a lot of guys are sitting back and going, how have I behaved? Sure. Yeah. You know what I mean? And listen, my behavior has not always been, uh, you know, it, I've I haven't always been like a hero. Now, I've I 
you know what I mean? It's I maybe mean, I've been aloof. I've been a little bit cold. I've been maybe a little bit rude, or I've just been a little distant. You know what I mean? And I haven't always been like a great. And I've made made amends with a lot of people. Um, you know, my conscience is pretty clear that nothing is gonna, you know, like in the way this is, but also I haven't always been like, I can't stand there on a pedestal and be like, how dare you treat a woman less than a hundred percent, you know, but it's just, I haven't always treated, I haven't always treated people well, whether it's me doing something or not. It's a lot of me not doing something. Right. It's me being very distant or very, uh, very withdrawn or kind of not been, uh, realistic about my feelings or emotions or my, like my intent. Um, uh, and not, being this like let me be manipulative but me realizing oh it's like i think i'm putting out that like this is my intent when really i don't know what my thing is you know and it's hurtful because i'm a coward you know it's very easy for me to just be uh to be like well i listen i i i didn't say that we were boyfriend and girl simple i didn't say that we were in a relationship in my defense you know your honor yes technically like (laughs) i never said that but i could have been a little more honest i could have been uh, I could have been, a, you know, a little less charming. You know I mean? No, it's, it's, I, I could have, I just could have been, I, but I've been too much of a coward to give the person the respect right. they deserve, even though, yeah, did technically do anything wrong? When we're talking about relationships. I mean, you, you know, yeah. there is no rules. There's no like, oh, well, sure. you checked off all the right boxes. So technically you're not wrong. No, I know that I've been wrong. So I think about those things or I think about videos I've made online. Right. You know what I mean? Right. That's a lot what I think about. And, I always like think the jokes on me, but you know what I mean. Some of the stuff is 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 sexual, and it's it's at least bringing to the surface. Like, yes, on the surface, this is objectifying and sexuality, even if it's under the guise of a joke. And I think about those things. Yeah, you know. So I can't go online and be like and be a hero. Where a lot of I think a lot of guys get on there and they make a huge grandstand, and I'm like, mm, homie, listen, <laughs> I know you haven't always been. Yeah, you know. And I'm not one to talk, and I'm not one to uh, like judge another. Well, I, I can judge obviously on, <laughs> on bigger scale things, but I, I it's not for me to get on there and make it about me, right? And right. take away from that, right? Where it's like, oh yeah, that it's like here's how I helped you, whatever. So that's kind of the things that I think. But I think maybe to long story to answer uh, your question. I think guys are always thinking about that. Sure. They're thinking about like, what did, what did I do? How have I treated people? Yeah. What skeletons do I have in my closet? Right, right. Um, that's that's kind of my take. Yeah, yeah. That. Yeah, I also think this is going to like change courtship. I just think it's yeah. like uh, men are on edge and totally questioning their behavior. And the one thing that I just like want to say is like, I think the right, and also this, I think this is twofold because we're talking about most of this is misconduct in the workplace, right? So that in a way that is like trying to take power away from women so that they do not rise to the level of success of you, right? It's been about power for most of these men because they're really powerful people in their very successful in their field. A lot of these guys that has come out, Louis C.K. and Charlie Rose and Matt Lauer and Harvey Weinstein, you know, and the president. Just going to put that one in there. Um, (laughs) The president of the United States. Um, But I just want to say like, the rise of success of women, and this is a really hard lesson to learn as feminists too, right? Because we still live in a patriarchal society and um, the rise of success of your friend is not your failure. Yeah. It's just not. And like, I hope men can like realize that too. Like the rise of the voice of the woman 
is not going to mean your failure. It's not. It's just going to mean a better life for everybody. <laughs> like it's, it will. Yeah. I promise. Yeah, well, I think that's a big. <laughs> that's always you know people are insecure and they're insecure you know because they think you know, I don't know whatever you know how and I think it you think as time goes on it's like those things about like oh men should be stronger than women you think that would lessen and you know listen I grew I was uh, you know I grew up in in the eighties. Where it was like, and like you know, it was a, where I, I, but I was always like, I don't know why anyone cares about any of this stuff. I, but I was also never like a super like macho dude. You know what I mean? I was always mm-hmm. kind of insecure in my way, insecure in my way, and just things that bother that seemed to bother people like never bothered me. I also wasn't raised like that, but generations before me and my family might have been more like that. And you think, wow, now we're in 2017, almost 18, um, you know, uh, or I think we'll probably be in 2018 when people are hearing this, we're fresh in 2018. Yeah. I thought we'd be a lot further. Yeah. And and there's just some people, it's like you've gone back before, you know what I mean? You've gone back, you know, you think about sometimes the way you're like, maybe you're at least mine, like, you know, parents or grandparents. It's not really terrible, but it's enough for you to be like, oh, yeah, that was – the word oriental is not a great word. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, but it's like you're back before that and it's 2017. Like there wasn't really an excuse then, but at least you could say like, well, people were ignorant, lacked yeah. education and information. And now it's like, you have all of it. You have it all. There's no excuse. Yeah. You know what I mean? And there should be zero. To- I mean, I think there should be zero tolerance unless, you know, some people are just so, need more education or they need more outreach i don't know what it takes but welcome to the clam bake is uh people <laughs> should be checking that out in case because listen this is not this should not be the this this episode should just be uh an advertisement to go listen to your podcast oh, thanks, no I, i'm serious i'm not it's not for me to to say you know what i mean it's yeah but they should be going to yours and 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 then from there continuing like and hearing different points of view from different women from different people from different uh you know different backgrounds different points of view different lifestyles um don't stop listening to friends without benefits though i'm not saying <laughs> don't do that no, listen to all the friends. You could do it all. Basically, <laughs> fine, then go to yours, and then from there, we don't care what you do. Um, but thanks so much for uh, thanks for yeah, doing. thanks for asking me. No, I was always kind of curious of your story, and I, I kind of <laughs> follow what you. I mean, I do. I follow kind of what you do and what you have to say, and I was curious to have a conversation about it in an organized fashion. You know what I mean? Yeah. I wanted to have an organized, informational thing that hopefully other people. Um, could have a little bit of a takeaway from. Yeah, thanks for letting me talk about myself for an hour. Yeah. Great. Yeah, listen. <laughs> that's, 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 that's what I'm here for. Yeah. All right. All right, till next time. All right, bye. Bye.